Hey, this is Janine Letford, your intercultural creativity specialist. And I am coming at you on this beautiful Wednesday. I'm in Arizona, so it's a hot Wednesday. And we are talking about intercultural creativity, cultural factors, and my beautiful time on the Donors Choose board and just how that really changed a lot of mindset framework. People say that they love learning from me because I'm authentic. I really share things from my life. My life is like laying out to be a lesson plan now of things to do and things not to do, things to be aware of, and then hooking it to the cultural competence, the creative journeys, and also the neuroscience behind what is going on with our brain. I'm looking to, uh, develop a new field, intercultural creativity, but also intercultural neural creativity. What does it look like to really understand how our brain works and how we can really hack our brain, know our brain, love our brain, so we can be better creative and better connected to one another with different lived experiences. I'm first going to start off with um, a the reason why I'm doing this whole Diamond Mentor moment was something that I read in my own book. I do read my, my book from time to time. I'm going to read it to you really quick. It's about the gem number six, authentic adaptation. And I said, leaving an intense board meeting, I felt inspired by our students, teachers around the nation. The organization I had just left was moving millions of dollars, a half a billion dollars by that point, into public education. Donors from around the country could fund classrooms projects from the bayou to the beach and every place in between. And this organization, DonorsShoes.org, was led by world-class board of directors. Many of the members were acclaimed professionals leading multi-million dollar organizations and a few were leading billion dollar organizations. We had, you know, the, the CEO of LinkedIn was on there at the time, the senior vice president of Facebook, the former CEO of uh, Essence at Ebony Magazine. We had um, actresses on there and, and actors and the president of CAA, which I think they just had a huge merger this week um, at 7,500 million. So these were pretty heavy hitters on this board. Needless to say, as an elementary school teacher who drove a 1999 Nissan Sentra, this was a new culture that I was unaccustomed to. My classroom budget was $1,000 a year for my students, and so they were dealing with budgets slightly higher than mine. In time, I adapted to this impressive world of thought leaders, movers, and shakers who operated at a level I had never been exposed to before. It was mind-blowing. Here's the thing. After two years of being on the board, I had fully learned how to adapt to that cultural environment. I felt comfortable, included, and a part of the team. One clear day in June, I remember leaving the board meeting and heading back to my hotel room to encounter an experience that opened my authentic adaptation eyes in a whole new way. Now, if you want to see what happens after that, you got to get, get the book. But I wanted to talk about that line that said, after two years of being on the board, I finally felt in included. And so I was rereading that and I was thinking, wait, I hope people don't think it took two years for the board to, to allow me to feel included. They were the most welcoming board, the most compassionate and inclusive board. Donor Shoes has, doing, has been doing a lot, a lot more than um, most organizations that size and in that area for their equity work, their justice work, their diversity and inclusion um, strategies, really ahead of, of the game and the board the same way. So they were very welcoming to me. 
But here's why I wanted to do this live and this podcast is because we are in a culture, we are in a society that really has people determine their value and determine their worth and the quality of their ideas by their title, their position, their salary, and their material possessions. Whether you see this explicitly or implicitly, the media, everywhere you see, advertising, even sometimes in just the curriculum, just we are saying that people are worth more, they're valuable, more, more valuable, their ideas are more valuable depending on their salary and their title and their material possessions. Now, consciously, you know that that sounds not right, but we do it all the time. It's a bias that a lot of people have. And so I realize that I was conditioned the same way, even though the board was so welcoming and so compassionate and so inviting to me, the external culture was one a one of inclusion and belonging. The internal culture of my own mind was the opposite. And so that's really what I wanted to talk about today, because a lot of people that I talk to, that I, I mentor, especially a lot of youth, I really want you to learn from this so you don't go through what I, I did. So you don't go through the two years of not feeling that your ideas are going to be seen on seen on the same level as some of the other members that you might be going in, into. That's very, very important. And really, that's what really intercultural creativity is about, that our creativity, our creative thinking and our ability to see ourselves as created is highly affected by what our mindset is and what our perspective is. And so, you know me, I'm the teacher, so I do have slides. <laughs> I'm going to teach a quick lesson during this diamond mentor moment. So the first one, I'm talking about mindset and being an educator and how our nation, let's be real, doesn't really value the education profession like other nations do. Looking at, you know, the pay as an elementary school teacher, you know, you're coming in at 40,000, maybe 50,000. Whereas my twin and I, she went into the private sector. She got her degree in astrophysics and I got mine in human development and psychology to go into education. And we started about the same rate. Her income doubled mine within five, 10 years. You know, I would get texts, I got a raise. I got, got a raise. And there's people in education who their salary has like stayed still for, for years. And so do we really value our educators? And so all of this has been being communicated to my mind. Am I really worthy of this seat? When I'm around so many powerful people who by yearly income is their, you know, monthly in income. And that just did, did a mind shift on, on, on me. It was really, really difficult to overcome at first. But I want to talk about perspective. We have perspectives. There's different types of perspectives that we have. We have a direct perspective on self. This is what we think about ourselves. Your direct perspective on yourself is highly influenced by the cultural messages that are around you the family messages, your workplace messages, societal messages. And it's influenced by your demographics of how the society that you're in, the culture that you're in, really um, looks at the demographics that you identify with. So that is directive perspective on self. Then you have a directive perspective on others, how you see others. Once again, looking at, and I'm not going to go talk about in-group, out-group, and what the brain is doing with that. That's a whole other uh, podcast. But looking at how culture 
affects your ability to have a perspective with other people. Don't forget, you don't see the way life is, you see the way life as you perceive it. And your perceptions are highly influenced by culture. And then there's a new one that I probably want to introduce to you that you may not have heard of, something called meta perspective. This is what do we think other people are thinking about us? And so that was really what happened of me not feeling that I can really give my creative best and give my thoughts and be authentically me because I was so concerned about the meta perspective. What are they thinking about me? And then me being focused on these other things that they're probably not even concerned about that I was just conditioned for 35 years to say my value is based on my title, my salary, and my material possessions. And so therefore my the way that my ideas will be construed is construed through that lens. And that with this group was not true. But even though, here's the thing, and I love this quote, it's not about what people are saying about you. It's about what you're saying to yourself. That is the truth that you're building. And so I had to switch what I was saying to myself. And so being aware of meta perspective, another aspect I want to talk about meta perspective is the fact that it's almost prideful to, to assume that you know what people are thinking. <laughs> you know, um, I, I had a mentor at, at the time. I had a few mentors that really helped me get through this mental block. Um, Coach Tony McGee and, and a good friend Daniel Luna. I remember Daniel saying, Janine, they did not ask you to be a part of the board because of your accounting abilities. You know, um, they need you to be a part of this board because you have a perspective that they have been longing for. You have the teacher perspective. And even within the teacher perspective, you're in a position that um, that is an extra interesting position. I, I taught elementary school. I ran a nonprofit for six through 12. I taught at the local university CSUN. So I got to see the entire pipeline in the same week. And I got to bring all of those experiences and perspectives with grant writing and with all of the being on the donor shoes platform to the boardroom. And so my good friend, Daniel Luna was just like, Janine, that's why they need you in the seat because of your perspective. Stop paying, getting caught up on this other stuff and focus on you being authentically you. And that was a good um, push out that I had something important to offer. And I just remember being in the seat the first few meetings, like, okay, Janine, just say something, just say one thing to get through the meeting because you don't want to, um, Seth Godin wrote about this and I love it. He said, if you go to a meeting and say nothing, it's a double loss because not only did you not give your creative ideas, you took the spot of someone else who could have. And that always stuck with me that you want to be able to present your creative perspectives when you're invited or brought to the table or preparing your own own table and allow the perspectives of others to have um, airtime as well. And so looking at this concept of perspective, is key for my young people listening, my young women who are going to be in these power seats one day, and you're going to have to work on, on showing up with confidence and knowing that, you know, like I knew what I knew. And now I was got on the board in 2015 and then rolled off around 2020. We have some other amazing teachers who are on the board as well. Now, now I can walk into a room. I don't care who's in, in the room. I know what I know. I know my research is solid. I know this is idea that is worth spreading. I know that this is where the workforce is going, being able to have intercultural creative platforms for, for people. I know that the neuroscience is where the future is going, understanding how to really know our brain and to use our brain in the right way to be creative and to connect with people and to control unconscious bias. I know 
I like, I, I know it. And I know that there's a lot that I don't know and that I'm always learning as well. So that intellectual humility as well. But I can go into a room and I, I can speak with confidence and donors choose that time on the board and dealing with, with these mental ceilings that were there, these invisible mental ceilings was huge because they forced me to break through. Another huge thing that literally changed my brain, and we're going to quickly get to the brain part before um, I I close out, is once again, my classroom budget was $1,000 for the year. Uh, My income starting as a teacher, what, 40, 50 grand for the year. Sitting at that table and having conversations, and this is public information because uh, they're a public entity, but just millions of dollars of flowing like over my head of conversations. And it was just like we were talking about bubblegum, but it was (laughs) millions of dollars. It quick, I quickly had to break my previous mind maps and build new ones quickly in order to handle the level of uh, resources that they were trying to, you know, solidify and and allocate and do all all of that. And so now, you know, doing what I do and and speaking around around the world and 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 doing trainings with huge corporations, but also with school districts and and teachers and still running my nonprofit and still working with with my students face to face. I can walk in a room and talk num- numbers, numbers that would have blown my mind five years, years ago. Like, and my students, and this is really important. I want my students to have this experience earlier on. So if they're called to start creating programs and creating products and services where there's more zeros than they're used to seeing, it doesn't throw them off. And that's the thing. When your brain starts to do something over and over again, it myelinates. The neurons myelinate. It's like you riding a bike for the first time versus riding a bike for the 50th or the 500th time. Your brain, the neurons just get together, they myelinate, and it's easier to do that action. Same thing with mindset, right? Same thing with numbers. Numbers, money, it's an idea. Money is an idea. It's a concept, right? And so that's why you're, That's why my saying is your creative health affects your financial wealth. So that was another huge way that Donor Shoes Board physically, and I mean physically, changed my brain. They got me from thinking of a budget of $1,000 for a year and thinking on a much larger scale. Once I said, like I said before, they moved a half a billion dollars um, into classrooms around the, the nation. And so that's something to consider. All right, so we're big on brain. And I'm gonna bring to the stage Dr. Michael Platt. Those of you who follow my, my work, you know Dr. Platt and, and I um, really vibe on the same tendencies of saying every leader needs to understand how the brain works and how the brain works in their those who are on their team because you can lead better. You can lead with more empathy and you can have more self-control and support those who are growing in that area as well. So here is Dr. Platt. Some some sort of troubling ideas about well if you're just born with a, a better you know better functioning social brain network you're just going to do better. You're going to be a better actor. And to some degree that's a little bit true. Right. But we also know that uh, the social brain network is kind of like a dial. Right. And you can turn it up. And in fact, you can change its structure and function by exercising it. So and that exercise can take a number of different forms, even just interacting with more people, getting out, meeting people, um, talking to them, uh, getting to know them. You know, that's an important way to exercise your social brain. It will cause it to grow. 
Um, and some of these other things that we talk about, like perspective taking, taking the perspective of others, literally working on that every day for five minutes at a time will cause your social brain network in your head to physically change. Uh, and you'll be, you know, you'll actually be better at relating to people, um, you know, once you've done that for a few weeks. All right. So that is Dr. Blatt talking about the importance of getting into different cultural situations, meeting different types of people. So once again, even though it was uncomfortable, my heart was beating, especially during those first two years. I had to really coach myself to even speak up. My brain was literally changing because I was making connections with people who I would not normally have had access to. Like who's, who goes and hangs out with the CEO of LinkedIn and all these other places and Teresa Gao, the amazing um, venture capital. I would not have met her ever had um, the amazing um, CEO of Donor Shoes at, at that time, Charles Best, invited me to share my perspective in the same group. And so because of that, I now had what Dr. Platt mentioned, um, an increased social brain, because now I was adding in stories and lived experiences and, and different types of um, just ways of seeing things, perspectives into my social construct. And this is very important. Dr. Lisa Fieldman Barrett talks about this as well. Here she is. Your brain kind of wires itself to the world that it encounters. It does this really quickly when you're little and it does it slower when you're grown up, but it's still doing it when you're grown up. So if you read books, see movies, talk to people over coffee, their experiences to some extent become your experiences and like I said, that's a double-edged sword because if you surround yourself with people who are exactly like you and believe exactly what you believe, then that's how your brain is wired too. And you become, for many reasons, sort of uncomfortable with differences and complexity because everything is pretty much the same as you. And you become uncomfortable for reasons we could talk about that have to do with the brain and how it works. But the point is that you're always cultivating the environment that's wiring your brain, always. All right, straight from Dr. Lisa Fieldman Barrett, you are always cultivating the environment and your brain is, is changing in the environments due to the environments that you are in. And so being in that donor's shoes environment like I keep saying over and over again, it literally changed my brain because it wasn't my cultural norm. If I went to go speak in front of teachers, like I've done at several conferences, hey, I got this. This is what I know how to do. These are my people. These are my educators. But because I got shifted into a new environment, my brain didn't have any schemas, which are the order of how things are run. I have people on the C-suite, you know, sending me emails saying, Janine, you're doing a great job. Um, you might want to do um, be mindful of this thing and be mindful of that thing because there is a schema on how the board meetings were, were ran. There's a schema on how uh, people who are C-suites of multi-million dollar companies, how they talk, how they share ideas, and how perspectives are going. And so being aware of that, just being exposed to that. And I call myself the connector because now I go to my students who are in um, Canoga Park, usually from low wealth areas, usually the first gen, first to go to, to college or or really have the potential to um, go into some of these arenas. I go back to them and say, here are some things that you can do. Here's how you get your LinkedIn up. I had this, the, um, Jeff, the CEO of LinkedIn, did a small video for my students. You know, they got to get a message directly from him and just to really empower them to saying, if this is something that you want to get in into, it's attainable. You can do it. It's not a far off 
located on Mars mission. It, it is attainable. You can do it. So I just wanted to end by saying that being on the Donor Shoes Board was amazing. It was an honor to, to, to do it. And it was an honor to help the organization with my creative ideas, my perspective, and also help the teachers and the, the students as well. If you want to see what happens in the story, you can grab grab the book. And I just love sharing that story in here and really highlighting that line in there that that's why it took me two years to feel included on the Door Donors Board, not because of the, the board, they were so inclusive and compassionate, but because of my mental structure and my mind maps that were conditioned to think that my worth and my value and the quality of my ideas were hinged upon my salary and my material possessions. When they're not, they're hinged um, upon me knowing what I know and having confidence in the work that I was presenting. So I just want to share that story with you. It was a long, long Diamond Mentor moment. Normally these are like 10 minutes or, or less, but I just want to share that and hope that you continue to shine bright like a diamond. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.